Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. You're listening to 100 Words or Less with Ray Harkins. Hello, everyone. Welcome to yet another deep discussion with people involved in independent music. If this is your first time here, welcome. There's a seat in back. You know, as the uh, as the class progresses, you can obviously move closer to the front if you feel comfortable. But um, yeah, that's what we do here. We talk about punk, hardcore, indie rock. If you are thinking about small and sweaty rooms, that is exactly what we're talking about and why we still care about it so much. Because, I mean, you can be young, you can be old, I don't care. If you're attracted to it and you follow it along throughout most of your life, that is what we are, we are welcoming here at the podcast. Anyways, I uh, extremely appreciate you consuming this show uh, and continuing to support it because I've been receiving a lot of positive feedback in regards to publishing these episodes on YouTube and just, I don't know, kind of putting the show out there maybe more publicly or widely. I'm not exactly sure the way I can describe it, but regardless, thank you very much for uh, listening and consuming to the podcast in general. We have a great guest this week. His name is Ryan Osterman. He plays guitar and sings in Holy Fawn, which those of you that are keeping track, that was my favorite record of last year called Dimensional Bleed. I freaking love that record. I actually have to stop myself from listening to it too much 
because, you know, you burn yourself out when you listen to a record too many times. But uh, Ryan and his bandmates created a record that I just, I, it stuck with me and it still continues to stick with me. So I'd have him on the show and I was able to time it to where I was able to release that list and the top 10 episode that, you know, we always do at the end of every year and then be able to have him on. It just, it worked perfectly. And then I also saw him like maybe about two weeks after I recorded this interview with him because uh, he was playing with uh, Thrice and his band. And so it was really cool to be able to be like, yo, I'm that random stranger you talk to <laughs> on your computer. And uh, now you know what I look like. So that way, um, you know, it's just it's full circle, full circle stuff here. Anyways, let's talk about some other things. First of all, I was sick when I recorded this interview, so I'm a little more stuffy, nasally, sort of not out of it per se, but I just was very in my head as far as my sickness was concerned. So if you hear a distinct difference between the voice, that is why. So you're not just like, are you okay, Ray? Just want to make sure you're aware of that. You can always email the show, 100wordspodcast at gmail.com. I accept any and all submissions, <laughs> ideas, uh, you know, it's it's nice to be able to hear from you, the listener. I just always uh, appreciate that. And honestly, developed a lot of friendships through that. People who I like literally go see movies with. And I'm not even not even joking because that definitely has happened. But you can also please just take like 15 seconds out of your day. And if you're listening to this on Apple podcast, toss a star review on there. Or if you're listening to it on Spotify, you can do the same thing. Helps the algorithm and recommendations to your friends and all that sort of stuff. So I would appreciate that. And like I said, you can follow along on YouTube. I publish these interviews on there. It's a relatively new thing that I have been doing, but um, yeah, you can consume that that way. And a lot of people who I'll give you the very specific instance, which people consume podcasts on YouTube. I mean, it's a whole thing, obviously, but people are like, yeah, you know, I can't listen to my, you know, normal stuff on my phone because like I'm at work and that's, you know, not blocked by a firewall, whatever the case may be. So you can subscribe to it. Uh, you can click on a link in the show notes. Uh, it's a very easy thing for you to do and subscribe. I would appreciate that because I'm trying to get to you know, up to a thousand subscribers because I know it's funny. You probably think that number and you're like thousand sounds very nice and round. That's because at that point, that is when you can turn on monetization. I'll give you a little, uh, you know, behind the scenes look at why people say a thousand subscribers, because then that all of a sudden is able to open you up to some revenue opportunities. So don't let anybody tell you anything different. Anybody that's like, oh, I'm just doing that as a random number. It's not a random number, everybody. Anyways, please do those things. And there, like I said, there is a link in the show notes. You can do that and I would appreciate it. I, uh, yeah, let's just dive into the conversation with Ryan. <clears throat> we talked a lot about um, just living in the desert. <laughs> because the band is from Phoenix, and clearly that has a lot to do with the music that they create. And um, yeah, I just love the band. So this is what we got with Ryan from Holy Fawn. First tripped across uh, Holy Fawn via Death Spells, uh, and honestly, I can't recall exactly whether it was a uh, friend that shared it to me or 
I just found it on my own. But it, it, it elicited a reaction that I honestly hadn't felt in a long time where I just wanted to reach out to you guys and just say like, hey, I really like your band. And like, it, it was it was one of those things where it's like, I'm fairly certain I either emailed or hit you guys up on Instagram with no other reason other than just be like, oh my God, I love your music. And I just think you're incredible at what you do. <laughs> Well, dude, I mean, thank you so much. I'm, I'm happy that you enjoy it. Like that's, yeah, that's why you do it, obviously. Um, yeah. But I, I, I have a feeling that my reaction is not too dissimilar to other people who, you know, listen to your band. Cause I, I think the thing about what you guys do is that like you inspire reaction, whether or not a person is like, yo, this is the worst thing I've ever heard. Why are your songs like seven minutes long or like me, where it's like, oh my gosh, I identify with what you guys have going on. So I, I'm going to guess that's kind of the, not like people are going up to you and saying they're hating your band, but you get the point. Yeah, no, uh, no, like I, I'm, I'm happy because we do have a lot of people that reach out to us um, with everything from just like, hey, that was a cool meme <laughs> or like, hey, I really <laughs> like your, uh, you know, album or song or something like that. And makes me happy that it's like that that happens and and that we're approachable enough for people to feel comfortable to reach out and and say, Hey, just cause we've had some people be like, Hey, I'm in like the hospital and like your music's helping me get through like my chemo treatments and stuff. And I'm just like, Holy, can I cuss on here? By the way, I should have asked that before. No, no, let it fly. Um, cause I'm, but like, but when you, when you read that kind of stuff, your, your brain just kind of like explodes cause you know, um, I think I've, I mean, I've, I've said it, you know, times before, like when we were recording Death Spells, it took like three years for us to, from going from like some demos to actually like writing and recording it and re-recording it and, um, and all that stuff. So after like two or three years of doing that, we're just like, holy shit, it's done. Wow. Now it's done. Like what if no one even gives a shit about it, you know? Sure, sure. So having those kind of responses and everything like that is just incredible to me that's reached people in at all and that it's providing some sort of comfort or solace or something like that it's it's really amazing yeah and i i think the point of me bringing that up is because there are certain uh there are bands and with art in general you know the worst type of art is the one that just kind of like sits solely in the middle like people are like "Eh, it's not bad or whatever but it's not inspiring like you said the reactions of people reaching out to you and expressing their love for whatever it is that you're putting out there. And I think that that's, especially with how far you guys push yourselves, like, you know, it's not, you know, an easy hang. Like, and I I don't mean that in a disparaging way, but it it has that uh, built in kind of, Oh, Hey, you like songs with like verses and choruses. Like we have them. You just have to wait a little bit longer for that. Yeah, or there's only like one verse and one chorus, and it's just I don't know. I, like I feel like you know, like we, you know, sometimes we do have like parts that you know we, we we come back to, like it could you know constitute a verse or a chorus and stuff. But I like I feel like um, with a lot of with a lot of stuff, I, I feel like it's more natural for me to just be like, okay, here's part A, part B. C, D, E, F, whatever, um, you know, like, and it just, just kind of like exists in like how it's supposed to, I guess, in like my brain. Um, you know, like we have a song on, um, the new album, Dungeon Bleed, um, like the, 
the the title track on there is like only two minutes long, you know? So it's just like, it's just part A and part B and the song's done, you know? So um, it's just kind of fun to just do that. I don't know. I don't know why that feels more natural, but. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, you're following the way that you want to create that stuff. And I, I mean, I do think there is that fun element of playing in a band or doing something creative where you revel in the idea of subverting expectations where it's like, I know you expect this part next, but we're not going to do it. And not just to be a dick, but just like, you know, to be like, Hey, like we're, we're going to do this. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I know some people are probably just like, okay, this is like a holy fun song. It's going to start off like kind of chill and quiet and then it's going to be a big ending and shit. And sometimes I'm just like, do we gotta, we gotta do something like different, you know? And sometimes it's like, you know, maybe like, Evan or Alex will suggest be like, Hey, like, can we not just do like a big ending right here? Can we do something else? And I'm just like, you yeah, know, that's actually like a good idea to right. kind of go a different route, you know? So what, what might feel really natural to me in a song might not be the best fit. And that's why we got those, you know, other brains in there in that creative space. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll, I'll pull that apart a little bit as we go into the conversation, but I wanted to focus on you as an individual. I know you were born and raised in Arizona. Um, I didn't actually find out on doing my, uh, you know, deep sleuthing on the internet, uh, where, what city you were actually born and raised in Arizona or am I off? Um, so I was actually born in New York, but, oh, okay. uh, but I've lived in like, like I've kind of been all over the place, you know? Um, but sure. Arizona has kind of been headquarters for the majority of my life. Um, but yeah, even in Arizona, I've lived kind of all over the place. Like, I mean, Phoenix as like a whole is really kind of just spread out a lot, you know? So, you know, you have like Mesa and Tempe. I live in, um, like, like central Phoenix right now. Um, which is really cool because I'm only like, you know, five minutes from like downtown proper. And then, you know, I'm pretty close to like, you know, of like, like the 51, just like a, freeway that kind of takes you wherever else you need to go um sure but yeah phoenix has kind of been headquarters i think alex is the one that was born and raised in arizona okay got it so at what age did you uh i guess land in uh arizona proper um let's see probably when i was like i must have been like three or four when we moved when i was a really little kid oh okay Um, and uh yeah i mean it's just it's weird. I don't know. Arizona is always like I hate the summers because I hate the sun and I hate the heat, and so it's like the worst place to be. Yeah, that like, combo, right? Eight months of summertime here it feels like. Um, but yeah, uh, it's just always kind of like been home. You know, I lived here. Then my family moved us to like uh, the UK for a couple of years. Then back here, San Fran, Ohio. But it's always like here. That's like I don't know. It's like my little my little headquarters, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's, that's interesting. Cause usually um, people experience these. I mean, there's always that, especially once you start to gravitate towards subcultures, the idea of like getting out of your city and experiencing the world and you know, the, the limitations that exist uh, of your own hometown. But it's funny that you had those traveling experiences based on your family moving around and you're just like, yeah, Arizona's was pretty sick. Yeah. I mean, I, it's, it's really nice. I mean, like I, I, do feel comfy here but you know we we tour a lot out of the year so um i do get kind of like out of my habitat for a good portion of the year you know and like you know when you're i mean like oftentimes it's just like you know we'll be out for like weeks and only have like a couple you know days off over the course of the whole thing so you kind of do really get to see 
a lot, you know, um, when you're like out there. So that kind of, you know, satiates that wanderlust, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And so, like you said, most of your formative years were, were spent in Arizona. Um, what was your, I guess, family structure like as you were growing up and kind of moving to these different places? Like, was it, you know, mom and dad, like brothers and sisters? What did that look like? Um, yeah, I have a younger brother. He's two years younger than me. Um, my parents uh, split when I was like like 12 or 13 or something like that. But okay. um, like our first place in Arizona was like, out at the end of this like pretty long stretch of road, they're starting to do like housing developments and stuff. But so we moved out there and it's like, it's like the middle of the desert though. Like at nighttime, like you hear like just the wind, coyotes, like just like nature and everything. Um, so like even as a kid, it's like, you just kind of like, what, like, what do you do? You like skateboard out to like where the, like, road ends or like at the end of the park and stuff like that and just go like wander around the mountains and look for rocks and stuff um sure it was it was really cool um like as as i got older and everything like that um i started living in like tempe which is like another kind of like city in like the phoenix area um it's like more of like a college town so that's kind of like where i like lived and worked and everything um but uh but yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, family life was always, like, pretty pretty normal. I mean, like, I feel, I mean, I say normal. It's like, like, you know, parents are divorced, but I feel like everyone's parents are divorced. So yeah. it didn't really, like, it wasn't, like, really a huge surprise to, like, me or, like, my brother. It was just kind of like, oh, okay, so now we're just going back and forth between houses or something that, like that occasionally. So Sure. Did you, um, it, just because you and your brother were so close in age, like, did you guys have that bond or were you guys kind of going on your own paths? Yeah, it's really weird. So we, as really little kids, I know we got along, but as we started to get into like the teenage years, we were just like always fighting and stuff like that. Sure. Like I saw, I saw this meme the other day and it was like, um, with like, which one were you? Like the one who had the knife or the, which one, or were you the one that was running from the knife? And I had like send that to my brother. Cause like our fights got like out of hand and shit like that. Like my brother would like like he's literally than me, but like he would be like doing crazy shit like that. Um, so I thought that was funny, but, uh, yeah, so eventually just evolved into like this weird, like, like apathetic kind of relationship, you know, like we lived in the same house or rooms are right next to each other, but we just like, wouldn't talk for like weeks, you know? Um, and I remember I moved out when I was like 17, I think my dad, um, got remarried and moved to, San Francisco and um he like couldn't sell his house in time or something like that so I just moved into his house which was like 30 minutes away or 40 minutes away um so I had this like house to myself as like a like 17 18 year olds um and uh I started having like some friends over because I was just like I think I don't think I had like my first drink or like smoked pot or anything like that so I was like 18 or something like that and anyways i was like okay this is pretty fun having friends over getting drunk and well dude yeah you, i mean that's you're, a that's you're a teenager you know so right um, that's it okay. i was just gonna say not to interrupt but like that i mean that is a very unconventional experience of like not only having a house in which you can you know host friends but then like have that you know unencumbered experience where you're just like oh yeah you guys want to come over and hang out and like yeah no one's gonna care if we obviously do whatever it is that we're doing like it's fine 
Yeah, it was just like, oh, cool. You like, you want to just like eat mushrooms and like drink and shit and blah, blah. So anyways, I had some friends over one time and I, you know, was like, you know what? I should like, cause like when I was in high school, I didn't really like do anything. You know, I, I played music. I kind of skated and stuff. My brother, on the other hand, he was like really big into like smoking pot and everything and like kind of like drinking. Um, and so I was like, wow, well, like, now that I kind of do this stuff, maybe I should invite my brother. And it's, it's weird, but like we ended up be, being like really, we're like, I mean, we're best friends now, you know, we, we live like probably five, 10 minutes from each other. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it, like we really bonded in those years to, you know, having friends and music all around us and stuff. So yeah, that's, that's, it's, that's it's, really cool. It was, it was a weird character arc, I think for, for both of us. Um, but I'm really glad though. Cause like I said, I mean, he's, he's my, my best friend. So I'm, I'm glad that, I mean, it sucks that us being delinquents was what brought us together, but hey, like we're young, so. Yeah. Well, I just like that because at that point, you guys were viewing each other, obviously, as not the enemy, but you were viewing each other as humans. Like, cause you get, I mean, the same thing can be said about your parents. Like, it's so earth shattering once you realize, like, oh, my parents have no clue what they're doing. And you're just like, they're like, <laughs> once they become humans that's when you can kind of like get along on an even deeper level and so it's cool that you have that with your brother yeah yeah no it's no it's it's funny i think now that i'm like a little bit older and stuff it's like just thinking about it, i was like man my mom got married when she was like 21 had me when she was like 23 and i'm like i could not possibly fathom the thought of taking care of like two young little like boys and stuff even at this age i'm just like no thank you surprised that you survived right totally totally yeah that that's also another full cycle moment where you can just be like holy moly i can't even like i i'm sorry for whatever we did and like just you know god bless like thanks thanks for ushering us along my mom is an absolute saint like we we really didn't get along when i was a teenager at all you know it's like a big reason why I decided to, to leave when I was like, when I was as young as I was, you know? Um, but it's just like, my mom was, my mom was a single mom with two like angsty teenage boys. Like she was just doing her best and stuff, you know? And it's like, now we're, now we're really tight. Like my mom like called me up the other day and she was like, do you want to do mushrooms with me? And I'm just like, um, what the fuck? Like, right. Sure. Yeah. Like, Hell yeah. But what? Wow. Um, so it's just that's just really funny. I'm just like, wow, my mom has a drug dealer, and like this is the same mom that like smashed like my brother's bong. <laughs> like it's right. Uh, it's just goofy stuff, man. Okay, pop open your web browser. Go to rockabilly.com. Use this promo code, 100 words or less, and it gets you 10% off of your entire order. Follow those steps, and you will be able to unlock. All of these amazing, let me, let me just list a few of the bands that they offer exclusive merch for. Bring Me the Horizon, David Bowie, Avenged Sevenfold, Slayer, Queen. I don't care what band you are into, they undoubtedly have something for you there. It's all officially licensed, ships from the Midwest. I love this company because they got everything for everybody. You know, They're just going to solve all of your problems if you're looking for a gift or you're looking for something for yourself and then being like, oh man, maybe I need to get my my uncle or my aunt a you know, Led Zeppelin shirt or whatever. Boom. Rockabilia is solving all your problems. And I'm solving your problem by giving you a discount. 
100 words or less, 10% off your order, rockabilia.com. And as always, thank you, Rockabilia, for your continued support of this show and music in general. And so like, like you said, with uh, you know school and kind of kid life in general, as you're developing your identity, you weren't you know like into sports. You, like you said, you were skating a little bit. Um, I, I'm guessing me, independent music kind of started to filter its way into your life around that time. And like, how did you get exposed to that? Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Like I, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I know my dad like shoved me and my brother into a lot of sports growing up, but like, man, I just never was good at it and never had any interest in it. Um, I think, <laughs> I think I'm just like not a very athletic person. Sure. Um, so yeah, music was like really, really um, like big for me. And uh, man, I like, it was at a time where it's like, you, you kind of discover a lot of this music because like, maybe your friend has an older brother and they had like some like know-how and introduced them. So they burned you a CD and stuff, you know, like that's kind of how I found like everything. Um, I remember like I had a, like I had a friend, it was like one of the first guitar players for, do you know that band job for a cowboy? They're like a, oh, of course, JFAC. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, uh, yeah. I, I, I used to, uh, I worked for about 10 years at century media. And, uh, at one point in the early two thousands, I actually distinctly remember driving out to Arizona before they signed to metal blade, trying to like convince them to sign with century media. So yeah, anyway, <laughs> continue. No. Yeah. So their uh, their first guitar player, um, uh, his name's Andy, I believe. Um, and I have no idea in this entire world. Cause I was playing in some just like shitty teenage screamo band at the time, you know, it was like MySpace days and stuff. And I remember him messaging me and being like, Hey, like band's pretty cool. I'm just like, dude, like you're in fucking JFAC, like, right. on your radar? you know, like, cause I mean, like I used to see them at like this, like one venue that had like, it must have been like an eighty cap, like capacity or whatever. Right. Um, you think about the modified. <laughs> it was like, oh, dude, it was basically the modified. Um, okay. That's crazy. Um, but uh, yeah, the show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different things that stress us out, right? Like maybe it's something really, really small, like, man, that parking space, it's always taken. And I wish that I would be able to like get it instead of, you know, this person that maybe, you know, is the most courteous and considerate. I know that's something very random, but it's true. We all experience different things throughout the day that trigger us in so many different ways. And there are many times where I have been like, I wish that I had a a spot or a repository for me to, you know, get this stuff off of my chest. Because if you bottle it up, that is no bueno. And then all of a sudden you explode on a coworker or a friend or a family member being like the parking spot. And people are like, what are you talking about? That is where therapy comes in. And I love working with BetterHelp because I'm a huge advocate for therapy, broadly speaking. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, please give BetterHelp a try. It is so easy because it's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you do is fill out a brief questionnaire and then you get matched with a licensed therapist. And if you are not vibing with the therapist for any reason, you can switch it out at no additional charge. Get things off of your chest with BetterHelp. So visit betterhelp.com slash Ray today to get 10% off of your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash Ray. So him just being like cool with me, I was just like, wow, this is awesome we got on the topic of just like 
music. And it was really funny because like when I would see them, he would always sound check with like Copeland's guitar riffs. And then their set is just like so fucking aggressive, you know? So I'm just like, wow, I think we have like maybe similar taste. And he introduced me to Elliot Smith and um, this other artist um, who's a German artist. I think they're in Sweden now, but the band's name was called Ariel Kill Him. And that like really, really like, resonated with me like both of those artists really did um but uh yeah so like i was starting to kind of get a lot of music from friends because now you can make internet friends who have a lot of obviously different tastes and stuff so it was it was a really cool time to kind of be in like a you know a, a teenager in those myspace days you know yeah, I I really I I've thought about this cuz I've had many similar conversations to people um you know on this show. I I do think that that the ease to access to music while there could totally be old heads that are just like, "Oh, you don't have to work for it and read thanks list or whatever." It's stupid arguments, but well, it's not even an argument, but I I really like the fact that you highlighted exactly what I think is so cool about it where you could get into a wide array of music and not have it necessarily, you know, judge or whatever. You were just, you were consuming Job for a Cowboy and Copeland, you know, and Ariel. Like all of this was happening at the same time. And you were just going down that rabbit hole because no one was stopping you. And no one was like, oh, Ryan, that stuff's not cool to listen to. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, I mean, it's, it's awesome. And, you know, like I, like, I've always just really enjoyed just like, exploring music of really kind of any kind. Like, um, when I was, when me and my brother were like really little kids, we used to go to this, uh, like my family took us to this like awesome Mexican restaurant and right next door was this, um, like, um, like, or not right next to the, the, the restaurant, there was this record store that we'd go into. And I would just like flip through a bunch of just different CDs and like, I would just buy CDs just based on like the album cover, you know? So I just got like random stuff, you know, like, I think it got like a Romstein album and like an Eve six album at like the same time or something, you know? And like, I don't know. I just, I always been really interested in that. Like, I feel like even when I'm on Spotify, um, I'm always going on like release radar or my discovery thing, just cause like I constantly want to hear something kind of new, you know? So. Yeah, it's cool. I, I do like that concept too, of just, you know, you're, just taking stabs in the dark, trying to understand like, Oh, I, I like this because of the artwork or whatever. And like you said, you're just, you were drinking so much of it in that you couldn't, um, you know, you could never find a bottom to it. Yeah. I mean, and you never know like what is going to resonate with you like so profoundly, you know, like, uh, like one of my like favorite artists right now is this, um, this gal performs under, um, art school girlfriend. Um, like, I remember I found one song and I think I felt like I found the album it was on and I listened to nothing but that album for like, I think a week straight. Like, it was just so damn good. And it was like, I didn't even really, like, I know, I know I liked kind of like, like a little bit poppier stuff, but this is like weird, gloomy pop with like, kind of like dreamy, crispy production. And you just never know like what, like what you're going to find. And it might be like something that like truly inspires the shit out of you. Cause I remember after that, I was like, one, I want to cover this song too. I want to figure out exactly how to get my electronic drums to sound just like those, you know? So it's just something I'd spent like a month on, you know, just being like, all right, I feel like if I get, you know, this drum sample, I can tweak it X, Y, Z. And 
be inspired to write something completely new, you know? So yeah, that's incredible. It's, it's, a, it's a tool to like consume this stuff for me. I feel like. Right. Exactly. Just shove it all in and then see what comes out. Yeah. Um, did you, as you started to experience this and like you said, go to shows and see, you know, bands like right in front of your face, did you immediately get taken by the idea that you wanted to play in a band or was that something you had to kind of warm up to? Oh, I mean, like I, I always, always wanted to be in a band like, or I always wanted to like be playing music. I remember being a kid, you know, like like putting a CD on in my room and like, <laughs> this sounds so dorky, but fuck it. Um, literally like put a CD on in my room, turn it up and like jump on the bed and just like play air guitar and stuff like that. Oh yeah. And, like I really, 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 really wanted to like play guitar and, and um, just, I saw, you know, I had this, I had this babysitter when we were really little and she'd always have like MTV on and everything. So we we're just watching music videos all the time. And I was like, that looks so freaking cool, man. Like, um, and, uh, you know, like, I think, I think I started playing guitar when I was like 10 or 11 and, uh, like, you know, I was, I was about to start playing lefty too. Cause like I was, I'm lefty. Um, and we get to this music store and like, um, the guy there was just like, dude, like the only thing that we, like we can, like my family could like afford was this like, like three quarter scale, um, which is probably perfect for me at the time because I'm not a very big person, but, uh, like, like not Jackson, but like their Squire version. I think it's like Memphis or something, but mm-hmm. it was an electric guitar. And my dad who finally agreed to let my mom like take me to go get a guitar was like, only if it's an acoustic. But for some reason, like my mom was like, hell yeah, let's do the electric thing. So my mom definitely was kind of like a catalyst for that. Um, Cause I just remember uh, picking that up and just being like, I want to learn every like, <laughs> Deftone song or like the refused and shit like that. And, um, an acoustic guitar was not going to do that for me. <laughs> no. Yeah. You're not going to get that immediate feedback of like, Oh, this, uh, this sounds real different. Yeah. I think my, I think my parents probably realized that it was a gigantic mistake to give like a young child, an electric guitar and an amp though, who like can't play it, you know? Cause like didn't have lessons quite at that point. I think it took lessons for like six months after they realized how bad I was in my room. Um, right. Like, I don't think they had the heart to tell me to like stop or put headphones on or something. Right. Or, I mean, I, I always, you know, bless the parents that go down the um, path of bringing drums in the house where it's just like, yeah, guitar and amps are, that's one thing. But then, you know, the drums there, there literally is no volume monitor. God, dude, no, like, I honestly, whenever, whenever we're recording and stuff like that, I wish I could just, I, like, sometimes I'm just like, okay, if, if we're just tracking drums, like, I'm just gonna take the day off or something, I don't sure. I can't listen to drums this whole time. Yeah, you're like, but, I, I'll, I'll take a, I'll take a pass on this day. Like, not because I don't like it, but just because it's too loud, I'm sorry. <laughs> dude, hearing drums by themselves is, like, such, like, to me such a non-musical sound. I just, I love, I love drums and I, and like, I, like, I, I wish I could play them honestly, but, but by themselves, it just seems so like, n- n- like atonal to me. Um, yeah. yeah. Not that every drummer that hears this is probably gonna be like, well, fuck this guy. But yeah. I I mean, you're in the same way that people, you know, can easily say where it's like, yes, on guitar or bass or whatever, like you were playing notes where, yes, there are notes on a drum, but it is a whole different ballgame there. Yeah, I just don't have my ear tuned to 
yeah. to do that. Like, I'm just like, oh, I can I can listen to a, a like a song or an album and be like, oh, these drums sound really fucking good, and, and like I know like what good drums sound like and what bad ones sound like. But yeah, I just can't do it on my on on its own. But um, thankfully, like so we like record everything ourselves. So um, if like Austin's recording. Like Austin does a lot of Evan, Evan and Austin do a lot of like the recording and everything, and uh, like usually it's just like a, Austin will just go record the drums like by himself, you know, because he's like I'll just press record and hop on the behind the kit and yeah, call it, I'll just know. do yeah, I'll just do the thing. No worries, guys, I got this. Yeah, I'm, I'm very very thankful that he's both a good engineer and good drummer. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, something that I've observed just in the, uh, like, whatever, playing in bands, traveling to Phoenix for many years myself, like, Phoenix is such an interesting town where it's large enough as far as the city is concerned, um, but the music scene is so small, and I, and, but it's, the city's big enough to support multiple venues, and, like, the scene broadly speaking from an independent perspective is so incestuous where it's like, if you haven't, I mean, I know I was just going to make a joke where it's like, if you haven't played the main, did you even play in a band like, you know, in Arizona? And I know you did as well, but um, I'm sure you kind of felt that as you were, you know, starting to experiment and playing in bands and stuff like that, that it seemed like everybody was kind of swapping band members and playing in different bands. Yeah. um, I mean, especially with like the main, like I was in, three different bands with those guys like it's <laughs> amazing i mean minus minus john um because he was he was like the you know he was just like a wild card for for the rest of us we're just like who the fuck is this like totally. yeah we, i like i love the guy to death um it's it's funny like we we're all playing music together for like years since we we're like really young teenagers and stuff and uh like one day, like, we we're, we kind of, like, one of our bands fizzled out, and we're just like, eh, whatever, I'm just gonna kind of, like, do do my own thing, and um, I get a call from, like, Pat's, Pat the drummer's older brother, Tim, and he was like, hey, I've got, like, a friend who, like, can sing, we were, like, at a bonfire in California, and he, like, turns out he can sing, do you guys want to make a band with him, and we're just like, sure, why not, so, right, <laughs> how it happened, but, um, but yeah, I mean, like, I don't know, like, the music scene in Phoenix now is, like, like, it's hard to describe, because I'm, like, I'm seeing a lot of bands do some, like, really, really, like, big stuff, like, um, Sydney Sprague, I think I'm saying her last name properly, I fucking hope so. Sure. Um, It's so awesome. Um, I just remember, like, seeing, it's just so cool to see some of these bands where you see these tiny little, like, DIY flyers, and now she's touring with, like, the front bottoms or something, you know? Right. Um, so it's, it's, it seems small, but at the same time, there's a, there's a fucking lot going on, and these bands are doing some, like, really cool stuff, too. Um, like, and even bands that I thought were, like, dormant for a while just, like, bust out, like, a new EP, and it fucking rules or something, you know? Um, we like we have another band here. Um, there's two bands actually that I really like um, here. Um, one is a continent named Coma. Um, it's like really cool, kind of like post hardcore scramsy stuff. And same thing with this next band, Not Nearly. Um, and I've done some like remixes and like vocal work for for these guys and like just really cool bands. And it's just great to see that like from Arizona, you know, because it's gone through like a lot of kind of weird waves, you know, like we had really strong like metal scene i guess we, we still do um and uh then it was like very folky for a while and then kind of indie and now it's like this weird 
combination of everything. Um, yeah. It, it's, it, 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 and it seems like too, uh, I, the idea that, you know, it, it takes a, a while for bands to, you know, break out in different ways that you would see that are located in LA or New York or whatever, the typical quote unquote places that, uh, you know, bands originate from where it's, I mean, yeah, you can look at the, you know, hometown heroes of Jimmy Eat world. And, you know, clearly it took them a long time to, you know, multiple records to hit the middle. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. and so but yeah, you're, you're very right where it's just like it ebbs and flows, but I've just always thought Phoenix was really interesting because it was th- that small combined with big enough, to support multiple venues, but then have so many people, you know, from a kid perspective, starting bands that all sounded so drastically different, but then also probably played with each other at one point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it, it's, it's really badass. Um, it's, it's kind of interesting now because I think like the pandemic killed a lot of these like DIY locations. So it's like, now we kind of only really have like the really well-established venues and a lot of these bands, like, you know, like it's, I mean, it's hard, it's hard for them to probably get booked at some of these places just because the venues are watching out for their kind of bottom line. You know, they were like, want to book the show. It's going to make them the most money. And, um, and you don't always get to like see these bands, you know? So it's kind of yeah. a little bit of a bummer, but it's, you know, it does ebb and flow. I mean, like there's me times where we don't get a whole lot of like, kind of like DIY local spaces and there's going to be times we have like four or five going on. So right. hopefully we're just in the the Valley right now and we'll get some, some peaks too, just cause I really like those, those kind of spots, you know I mean? Like sounds not always great, but like, I don't know, like the energy of those locations and stuff is always such a fun time, you know? Oh yeah. It's beautiful. Um, I know that you, uh, I mean, you've definitely mentioned this in almost every single interview of like how you got, you know, how the uh, inspiration with Holy Fawn, as far as like you guys working at a guitar store, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not going to relitigate that story. Um, The, I guess just based on, you know, what you have put out into the world, as far as your own personality, like, you know, you're reserved. You're not like this, you know, person that's coming into a party and being like, Oh, Hey, everybody look at me. Like, you know, um, (laughs) (laughs) right. Exactly. So I, I I think that idea of like, you know, once you became friends with them and then once you invited them over to kind of have your first jam session, um, that probably took a lot of courage for you to do that. Like, do you, I guess, reflect on that first step of being like, Hey guys, let's come over and jam. Or was that a relatively easy ask because it was in a comfortable environment? Um, I was hesitant at first. Like they asked me a couple times, um, and I was just like coming from like my own kind of solo project and everything that recently, like it started off solo and then it turned full band and then people either died or went to college or moved or something like that. So I was just like, you know, I just kind of feel like I work better on my own and I think I'm going to keep doing that. Um, and so that's what I was doing. Um, and I was like, like, I don't know. I mean, like, it's always awkward when you're like playing music with somebody for like the first time and it's all just improv. Cause it's just like, who's leading also like, what if I fucking hate what you're doing? What if you hate what I'm doing? What if I'm not good enough to keep up with whatever you're doing? Um, so there's a lot of like things going through my head and also I'm just kind of like, I don't know. I just, I'm kind of a homebody. So, um, the thought of just like, leaving the creature comforts of my place and lugging all this gear to someone else's. I was just kind of like, eh, I don't know if I want to do this, but needless to say, um, when we all got together, it was perfect. It was like 
something where I, we literally lost track of like three hours, you know, and we were playing music the whole time. And, um, I just remember being like super happy with like a collaboration for like the first time. And I don't even know how many years, you know? Um, so it was like, this is one of those feelings where you know that this is like going to click, you know? So I was really, really thankful for, for that. And for those guys for being a, like <laughs> persistent enough to not like maybe just, they could, they could have all just jammed on their own, you know? And I'm glad that they. Yeah. Kept like, pressing you. Right. I really am. <laughs> like this, this yeah. band would not be uh, a thing if they didn't keep getting on me about it. So that's, I'm really grateful for those guys. Yeah. The, uh, like we were joking about before, like you played in an early iteration of the main and, um, you know, what did you learn, I guess, from either that experience or as you started to kind of play local shows and, you know, have that, uh, in your background as you started Holy Fawn, was there things that you kind of took over from those experiences? Um, so the main was like the first time that we actually had like a manager, like not like. Like, like, um, Tim's brother, I mean, sorry, Pat's brother, uh, Tim is the manager for the main. Um, I believe he still is. Um, so it was interesting to have like some actual like guidance, you know, and he was just kind of starting out too. He wasn't like a pro in the industry, but he was really smart and he knew like a decent amount of people to kind of properly guide us. Um, so we got to play some shows out of state and, um, stuff like that before because like you know i think i was i don't know like 16 or something like that at the time maybe i was a little bit older i can't remember but um like doing that was like huge for me i was like holy shit like am i actually a musician because right we can those in our hometown and out of state or something um so that was really cool it was interesting to see a more professional side of the industry at a young age um but I really wouldn't see anything like that till much later on down the line, you know, even in my like previous like projects, um, the one that like more or less kind of like started Holy Fawn and everything. Um, like we, we, we toured, we did stuff, but it was always so like, like, like kind of like DIY and wouldn't, wouldn't like make any money or, I mean, if we did, it was just going straight back into like, gas or to buy us food and stuff so it was kind of just like touring for fun i guess you know but right uh, there was there was no future plans or momentum that you felt like you were you're building upon yeah i mean like i knew that like we were making music that we like i enjoyed and i was lucky to have friends that enjoyed it enough to play with me for free um like aside from like like food and stuff like that um so I, i think it was it was like something was happening but uh yeah, we we still wouldn't like really see any semblance of like that professional world until like kind of after um, death spells and everything. Because we we're just like that record did so so much better than any of us could have possibly ever thought of. You know, like right, um, like people are still listening to it, and like that's that's amazing to me. Um, so yeah, it's it's weird. I don't know, like. I, 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 it's hard to say like what I took from the main cause I, it was brief and, um, and I was really young. So I don't know. I feel like I've right. learned a lot more about like the industry and stuff like that with Holy Fawn just cause we've been doing it for so much longer. And cause we'd have just like a killer team behind us too. Um, that's so helpful with keeping 
you know, the wheels moving and, and all that, but it's, it's still always like a learning, it's still always like a learning curve. Like I feel like every tour we go on, I learn something a little bit different about that whole life, which is interesting. Some of them feel a little bit easier. Some of them feel a little bit more complicated. Um, like this last, the last few months we did our first like headlining tours and like here and in, and in Europe and right. touring in Europe was like a completely different, like can of worms, which was freaking awesome. Um, but there were just like little random hurdles that we had to like, kind of like figure out how to navigate, you know? So, um, it's, it's, it's really cool though. I mean, like I, I enjoy touring and I enjoy learning something kind of new about how everything operates and how to make us all happy and function like, like a, like a finely tuned machine, you know? Let's talk about our friends at evilgreed.net. First of all, go to that website. You will unlock so many cool things for your eyeballs to look at and eventually order and wear. But use this promo code before you do anything else. 100 words is the promo code. It gives you 10% off your order. And you may be asking yourself, what is this company? They are a web store slash merch store solutions provider for bands and labels and stuff like that. But more importantly, they offer you, the consumer, a very easy place to buy all of this merch. But the thing is, is they are very specific in the types of bands and labels that they work with. They honestly act as like a record label slash curator, and I love them for it. Like They have bands like Sun, Nails, Power Trip. They also work with labels like Sargent House, and one of my favorite new bands, Brutus. They have a rad merch store there for them. And they also have like Death Metal, 200 Stab Wounds. Like Who doesn't want a 200 Stab Wounds shirt? I mean, I don't because I'm not as tough as most of you, but you get the point. Evilgreed.net, 10% off. They're based out of Berlin, Germany, but they ship to the US very, very fast. And honestly, the shipping is not expensive. I was actually shocked. And that's why they're advertising on this very show. They want you, the US-based consumer, to check out their website and order all of this stuff. Because like I said, they work like a record label, very specific curation they got going on there. So go to evilgreed.net, buy all of the stuff using the promo code 100words. Thank you very much. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. as you started to have to you know understand more of the business aspect and it doesn't even have to be this you know grand gesture of business but just like oh like how much should we charge for shirts or how many shirts should we order like wait we got paid 100 dollars for this show like how how did you I guess, start to compartmentalize the business versus the art. Cause I know that there are people in bands that are excited to take that on. And there's other people in bands that are like, 
dude, keep me far away from that. Cause I either suck at it or I have no interest in it. <laughs> I mean, it started off with me, um, like designing like one t-shirt design. I found a company local that would print them for a decent enough price. Um, and I was the one who I put it all on our band camp, you know, and can do your little merch, merch store on there. Sure. And I would package and send out every merch order, be it like a vinyl, a CD or like a, a t-shirt for the longest time. Um, and I honestly really, really loved it. It felt so cool to be able to put like a personalized message in every single one or do something like special. It's like, oh, I forgot that we had these like original set of first gen stickers or like little buttons that we like made a long time ago. Um, and I can throw that in there for free and like just surprise somebody and hopefully like that makes makes their day, you know? Um, right. And it was very time consuming, but it was like really, really rewarding. But, um, as soon as we started to get like, kind of like, like a proper manager, um, like our, like our manager right now is the one who originally put out the album on his record label, Whelmed Records. Um, and then, uh, when he moved into a management position, um, he started working with, uh, our label and they kind of like started like outsourcing a lot of those roles to other people. Um, so it was kind of, kind of nice. Cause it's, it's nice to know that you have like a, like a team kind of like taking care of that. So I can just focus on like working on music and stuff like that, or like managing like the socials and stuff. Um, right. Like fi- doing, doing the things that you not only enjoy, but you know, you're maybe better equipped to do rather than being like, Oh, do I got to look at this contract that I like would have to take six months to learn just how yeah. to read the first page or whatever. Yeah. Like I really enjoy like being able to like talk to like, like our listeners and like, if they're like, going to message us on Instagram and everything like that. Um, like that was, that was big. And cause like, I know what it's like to reach out to an artist that you really like and not hear anything back. And you're just like, man, I kind of like, I mean, and you like, I don't, I'm not owed anything like by anyone. Just like, I, I would, I just remember I've typed out messages and been like, dude, like your music genuinely made me not want to kill myself. Like, I just want to say thank you. Like, right. and you know, you'd like, don't really like hear anything back. And it's like, I'm not owed anything, but it would be like so cool if that was acknowledged, you know? Um, and I always wanted to just do the like opposite. Like I was, that was always kind of like my internal, like, like, commitments was just like everyone would respond to everything i just want to like treat everyone like humans and stuff like that and like continue to just like we're like we're still just a we're just a we're just four dorks just making music you know it's like not anything like cool or like yeah. super unique or anything so I, I just wanted to be human with these people that took the time to one listen to it and if they connected to it then i wanted to be able to at least recognize that because i oftentimes never got that, you know? Right. Well, I mean, I think that is inherently rooted in the art that you create. Just the, it's not even self-deprecation, but it's just like, you have no illusions of grandeur. Like the creation of the art, is it meant to, you know, put you on some um, on some trajectory that will be like, all right, we're going to obviously be as big as Coldplay. Like, I mean, that's an exaggeration, but yeah, I I totally, it's kind of hard baked into who you guys are, where it's like the people that get us, we want to like get them and meet them where they're at. But then also just like you said, 
foster that relationship to where people are invested in you guys, um, you know, for the long term and not just obviously dipping out on each record or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And it's, that's, it's, I don't know, it's, it's happened like a couple of times we went, we've been on tour and someone was just like, oh my God, dude, like, you're on Holy Fawn. I was just like, hey, yeah, like, <laughs> I, was like I, prom- I, prom- I promise, like, it's, I'm just out here. Yeah, like, we're not that important. Yeah. I, I promise you. Yeah. Yeah. And like, it's, 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 I don't know, it's, it's cool to just be like a real, like, person, you know? And I mean, like, it doesn't happen very frequently, but sure. it's just like, it's interesting when that happens. I'm just like, I don't think that I, there's anything to, to geek out about over me at all. So yeah, um, I was, yeah, but it's, it's interesting to see how things have kind of evolved a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of uh, touring, I know that that is something, I mean, you guys do spend a lot of time on the road and I'm sure your relationship with touring has evolved to where, you know, when you first start to do it, like clearly it's a bunch of new experiences and you're playing a bunch of different cities you've never been to. But as you know, that starts to get longer in the tooth, not to say that it becomes, you know, habitual, but there it, it enters a different phase. So how have you interacted with that knowing that you do probably have to have that, those moments of like, all right, guys, uh, I'm just going to be by myself. So please don't talk to me. <laughs> yeah. I mean like alone time is so, uh, infrequent, you know, um, there's like times where like, we're in like a really cool city and I just know it's going to be like better for my mental health. They're like, Oh, we're going to go walk around. There's like cool, like a uh, record store down here. We're going to go check it out. And I'm just used to like, I'm just going to like, lay on this couch and eat some like chips and hummus and try to just like take a nap or something. Cause I need to like recharge. Cause like, I feel like I get like really overstimulated by um, like lots of noise or like a lot of people talking all at once. And it kind of just like makes me feel very paralyzed. And um, yeah, like, so having those times where I can just like be by myself is, is like, always really appreciated but it's not always like that and um i think it's fun now because we've hit pretty much all of our normal like markets like several times you know so um it's really cool when you get to you know we're like oh we're playing this city oh yeah like i forgot this venue has a fucking basketball hoop or something like that it's so cool to like have like kind of like places that you can almost like that's not you don't like feel like home but it's like familiar enough to where it's like you can it count feels, on it right yeah it feels like comfortable you know and um there's like there's a handful of venues that like when we played we're just like man that's the guy fucking love it here like it's yeah it's so good. like they take so good care of us or like there's a amazing vegan pizza spot like two doors down like something like that you know it's it's kind of become like this really like fun thing it's it's become a little a little less stressful you know um because i think you can build in yeah you can build to your point you can build in a a ritual around it where you have things to look forward to as opposed to like the endless expanse of like you know 40 more tour dates or whatever in towns and like it's exciting to play the show but as many people have illustrated before it's a whole lot of waiting around yeah and uh yeah so it's yeah, it's just cool to have some some sort of like familiarity and stuff like that. I mean, like we don't usually always hit the same venues, but like sometimes when it does when it does happen, it's it's really cool. And it's also for me, it's been interesting to be like, oh, we've played, you know, uh, I think we played like 
like we we have played out a sold out show at St. Vitus in Brooklyn on this last run and mm-hmm. it was insane to me just because like I just remember the first time we played there we opened for a tour with um Oh Brother and by the time we were there I mean like you could very much see the ground like there was not a lot of people there for yeah, us there was some space right yeah and then coming back and comparing that to like we like like I don't know like people were singing along to it and the, the room was packed and disgustingly sweaty I think everyone was just like covered in like a, just like just drenched in sweat and it was just everyone was just sticking it out and having a blast and it's just so cool to kind of compare those two memories side by side yeah that's incredible to have like you said those those varying perspectives yeah. the um so the there is no one that has ever spoken to you in regards to the band and been like oh so you're like obsessed with death or you're fascinated with death and yeah. You know, I mean, it's a tale as old as time. Like so many people have focused on that, their creative expression through the lens of death, because it's, you know, everybody experiences it, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, for, for me, at least this is just, uh, you know, my own personal observation, you know, the band, you guys and the band kind of says the quiet things out loud. And then in turn, I hope that it makes it easier for people to grasp how to communicate about loss. Um, is that, um, I guess, like a, a function of what you guys are doing, or is that like a completely unintended outcome to how you're kind of, you know, framing uh, the stuff that you were doing? Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's like a like a particularly like intentional outcome. Like, I'm happy if it's doing something where people that listen can feel a little bit more comfortable to discuss it and everything. Um, I feel like for me, a lot of the stuff that like, if I'm writing like and singing it and stuff like that, it's kind of like there to help me cope with something um, with like some like either like, like literal physical thing or something that's more of like an intrusive thought or something. Um, It's really, really stuff that just helps soothe my mind. I mean, like a lot of like a lot, like all of our music really like is something that helps get some of this like fucking weird emotion out of me you know it's like something i can't like really like put into words super well because it feels like like a bunch of different things combined but i don't know i feel like it's something that's kind of like cathartic for my depression and anxiety and stuff like that because it's a lot of stuff that just my mind will fixate on a lot you know so putting it in music kind of like allows it some sort of like sense to like get out or I can examine it under a different lens when it's become something like a little bit more tangible. Right. Right. And and I think, yeah, I, I think, I mean, in my opinion, it definitely is the unintended outcome where you guys are, are simply expressing what it is you feel about, you know, especially death and, articulating that as best as you can and then people who also either have experienced it or are going to experience it soon are able to have something tangible that they can either you know as you have said before like literally reach out as they're going through something because of the music you've created like oh you've put a voice to it or you've been able to you know soothe whatever grief i have been going through and i'm sure that's just like like you like you said before just like completely humbling yeah i mean it it seriously is i mean i I still to this day am floored with like the reception of like our music. Like that is 
because I'm always like so fucking scared that we're going to put something out and people are just like, nah, bitch, you guys are flashing the pan. Like this sucks. And, um, like that is like my ultimate fear all the time. Sure. Like when we were putting out dimensional bleed, I was just like terrified that like, I mean, I knew like, I liked all those songs. I know we all really like enjoy this record, but I know everyone's going to be comparing it to the previous one, obviously, because that's kind of what you do. Um, so I was really scared. So when I do get those kinds of messages, it is so, like you said, like humbling and it's, it makes me feel valid. It makes me feel like I'm not like a complete hack or something. Right. Well, yeah. And to your point, like just the idea of not only the musical iteration of what you have done, but just then the, the fact that it, you're heading into the supposed sophomore slump where it's like, Oh dude, this is never, it's never as good as the first thing they released. <laughs> and that's just, yeah. you know, that I understand the fear that you were going into it with. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, no. So it's, 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 it's amazing that, that people care and always seriously like makes my, makes my day when someone takes the time to like reach out and say something nice. Like, I don't know. You, like it, it's, that like that is a that is like a real like moment of kindness and i i appreciate that it's on when people do that right yeah because there's no i mean people have to go out of their way in order to i mean yes of course it's as easy as pressing a few buttons on your phone but like still the fact that they did that like they didn't you know do that for any other band for that particular day so of course i i totally yeah. understand i mean i i have that moment with like so many musicians too and i'm just like ah they're not gonna read it so i'm not gonna write it anyways so, yeah like, i can't punch them right 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 yeah so um no it's it's it is powerful yeah and uh th- this is something i typically don't go into like songwriting questions because it's uh something that um i just find uh that line of questioning pretty boring and no shots against you at all but i i <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong, because I, I either read this somewhere or heard you articulate this in an interview. But um, you, as you start to you know create new songs, you often start with kind of the underbelly of the song in regards to kind of maybe the atmosphere, the mood, the soundscapes that you are you know obviously incorporating in with that, and then you start to add like actual instruments on top of that. Um, I presume that it's very uh, each song probably takes different shapes. But have you ever penned a song like that? I'm just curious. Yeah, no, uh, a lot of, a lot of them do start off with like, um, some sort of like, maybe like a drone or something. Um, okay. and cause I do a lot of like tape, like cassette tape loops and everything. Um, I like got this like crazy weird, like rabbit hole doing that. Um, and so I have like a, like a mailroom box full of cassette loops. Like, like there's, it's gotta be like a hundred something. Um, and basically just creates like this textural kind of like, I don't know, just like ambience. And sometimes it's just like the sound of like rocks crunching and stuff like that. Um, or like in the beginning of our song blood packs, that like little like crinkly noise is a, a tape loop I made, but it's just of like my like keys that are like jingling in my hand, you know, but when you put it on tape and maybe slow it down a little bit, it sounds completely different and it just felt like sometimes those small little tiny noises like are the things that like inspire me so much for some reason. Like it like just feels good in my like ears and my brain and I can kind of like keep building on top of that. Okay. Um, So that's usually how a lot of my 
songwriting stuff starts out, or sometimes it's with like some like electronic elements or like kind of like percussive kind of element. Um, and then I can kind of start adding stuff underneath that and around it. Um, yeah, it's, it it does change a lot. Um, but for the most part, I feel like that's usually how I kind of go about doing it. I, I, because I, I wanted to clarify just based on the idea that there is such an intentionality behind what you guys are doing from that, you know, root soundscape found tape perspective that I think, I mean, I, I know for myself, like once I discovered like, you know, William Basinski's work or whatever, where it was like, oh, and, you know, yeah. and that was like five years ago and like, I'm a 42 year old adult. And so it's one of those things like your head cracks open in a whole different way. And I just love the fact that you can have this base of music and add layers on top of it. And I just think that I, I, I love why or how that all connects for you from that perspective. Yeah. Um, oh man, William Basinski is so freaking good. Unbelievable. I literally listened to disintegration loops forever. Um, yep. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Like those, those really little things that just like, I really, really like to, I like, I really gravitate towards them. Like um, I have like my own like solo project, Stone Bones. And like, that is like, like most of what I do. It's like a lot of just really tiny little like kind of things. And I mean, I kind of do whatever with that project. Cause it's just like, it's just me. So it's like, whatever. But um but I've always just been really fascinated with just like more like minimal tiny sounds and like little textures. And I had this like, uh, this like really cool sampling keyboard. It's like the same one that like Yonsi and Sigaros uses. Okay. Yeah. Um, does all these, like you can like sample your voice or just like anything really. Um, as long as it's loud enough for this little like toy microphone to pick up. But there's this one time where I was like holding it and I was just kind of like jingling my like rings, like against the sides of this plastic little like, toy keyboard and it started looping that and i like i just really really like started in like enjoying that like those tiny little textures you know so was, i think that's why we i wanted to incorporate them in a lot of like my music and kind of holy fawn was a just like the the guinea pig for all that kind of stuff you know so yeah another another outlet and i, I think that also you know dovetails nicely into how you were getting into music and all of the disparate styles that you, you know, could allow yourself to listen to. Cause I know that many people feel like they need to fall in line with like, you know, I'm a punk or a hardcore kid. Like as you build your identity, understandably, as you grow up, that's much less important to identify with, but, yeah. that, but that music can be kind of the bedrock. And then you can take all these things from different places and then incorporate into something that is aggressive. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, I mean, and I think that's, like, why I enjoy listening to, like, just so many different types of things, you know, because it's just, like, you know, like, I, I never know what I'm going to take away from that and what's going to inspire something else, you know, like, like, maybe it's the harmonies in a Beach Boys song or it's, like, the textural stuff from, you know, like, you know, blank forms, like, tape stuff and piano work and everything. And I don't know, I just, like, it's it's so interesting i feel like i'm just like kind of like a sponge for just stuff that like makes my like ears and my brain feel like it's being like tickled or feel good or something yeah um, so i don't know like it's it's just i don't know it's just nice and like i 
I, I never know what I'm going to want to kind of create after that, you know? Of course. Yeah. It's like, you're, you're trying to find that tickle and sometimes it's, you know, you can find it in things that are familiar and comfortable. And other times you're just like, wow, I never thought that listening to, you know, this kid's bop record would really make me feel this way, but I guess it did. <laughs> bad example, but you get it. Hey, I was more thinking of like a disgusting fuzz pedal more than kids bop. But yeah. yeah, no, for yeah. sure. Yeah. I mean, they both are essentially the same thing, you know? Oh. <laughs> um, the last thing I want to hit on was you guys definitely strike me and have struck me, you know, since you uh, have started to put out music where you definitely fall in. And I, I'm sure this has been articulated to you, maybe not in these exact words, but like you're a band's band where, you know, members of bands that are, you know, I mean, I'm going to completely put my friend Riley Breckenridge on blast because he loves you guys and i know you're playing with rice yeah he's the best dude um but like you definitely you know ingratiate yourselves where bands love what you do and they're like oh man like we want to take you out on the road and like you know have you play some shows and stuff like that but the cool thing about you guys is like sometimes bands fall into that category that don't necessarily like draw people per se and no shots against them but it's just like they don't have any sort of business upside to like you know prove to the suits that they that this band needs to be taken on tour or whatever um have you noticed, like, have you kind of noticed, like, people, because I know that you've also expressed, like, you know, Randy from Lamb of God has been like, yo, I love you guys. And um, I-, I presume that some of that has been reflected back on you based on the opportunities that you have gotten from the band. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's never not going to be insane to me that, like, yeah. people, like, rightly listen to it. Like, um, like, it's just mental. And, like, Randy is, like... Just he's dude, he's like a god in metal, you know. Like it's just, it's so it's so crazy. But yeah, like I, I know what you mean. Like there's a, like I feel like a lot of the people that we talk to are other other bands and everything like that, and it's it's really cool. Um, I think it's a weird line to have to like tiptoe because I know what you mean when you're like like a band's band, and it's like it's tough to get past that like that hurdle. You know, it's almost like. Like we were talking about it um, in like the group chat the other day. I think some like Chris, our manager, is just like, you know, you're kind of like, he's like, you're like, you know, we didn't make it on some like big year end list, but like, dude, like this album rules, and we're just gonna keep pushing forward. This is awesome. He's like, we are a band's band. And I was like, before you say that, I think we're more than just a band's band. Like, right, I, right. You know, because it's just like you're. It's. I'm scared to be, I'm almost scared to be a band's fan. Cause like, it's, it, it's amazing. Um, but you know, that, that same time is sometimes mean that you're just, you're, you're plateaued, you know? Um, it, 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 no, it does. It, it's a total double-edged sword. I mean, the band that I always, in my mind from an early 2000s era, uh, the band that I always referenced and played shows with, where it was like a band like Code 7, who is like totally unbelievable, put out a record on Equal Vision, like very much overlooked, but they got so many tours because they were great people to tour with bands loved watching them, but it was like, it just didn't cross over into the audience really understanding what they were doing because they were far ahead of their time. But I exactly what you're talking about where it's like, you don't want to put the, the, the ceiling on it where it's just like, Oh yeah, only, you know, old guys who are weathered veterans of playing and touring bands for years. will get what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that I'm happy that we, we can find a, like a middle ground where it's like, we can touch on, that aspect where it's like there's probably some small nuances that like we'll do on our recordings or our songs and whatever you live where it's like only people that are pedal nerds or play in bands are going to understand how fucking cool that is right 
Um, but there's also stuff where I think it is a bit more accessible for people that maybe just like, just enjoy that style of music or something. And I mean, we, we found that like a lot of, a lot of like the people that we've chatted with, they're like, yo, I really only like ambient post-rock stuff, but I really like whatever you guys are doing. And we find like, you know, metalheads that are just like, yo, I only listen to like deathcore, but I, for some reason, really like what you guys are doing. So. Right. You're, you're, you're the nice middle ground for everybody where it's like, you know, hard pass on anything screaming. And then you're like, okay, well actually, you know, I can listen to a little screaming. And then, yeah, you're like that. You're pulling everybody to the middle and that's a good thing. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, I mean, it's not like, I mean, it's not intentional, but I'm happy that that's what it's doing. Like, right, right. At the end of the day, we're just making some songs that we love and that are important to us. And yeah, I'm really happy that there's people out there that have found a way to connect with it too. Like that's at the end of the day, that's like the, the biggest thing. Um, like I am so happy that this music can both help me and allow someone else to feel whatever they feel, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Beautifully put. Well, Ryan, thank you very much for letting me punish you for an hour and uh, take oh, you to places yeah, you, you probably haven't gone in a while. No, you've been wonderful. And thank you so much for having me. I had a blast chatting with you. Oh boy. What a great conversation. Just listening back to it after, you know, cause sometimes, well, not sometimes, most of the time I record these well in advance. And so when I'm editing and I revisit these conversations, I was like, you know what? That was pretty fun. That was very enjoyable. So Big shout out to Ryan and big shout out to his PR person extraordinaire. Her name is Monica and she is a great human being. I have to give thanks where thanks is due. Next week, I have a, uh, I would dare say, internet celebrity, internet favorite person of the hardcore punk kid movement <laughs> or subgenre, whatever you want to call it. I have a gentleman named Stanley Seavers. He used to play in a band called Dead Icons, and now he's a director. And I hate to use this term, but it is, you know, everybody knows what I'm talking about, a content creator. He undoubtedly has entered your feed in some capacity because he's been doing some absolutely hilarious jokes, videos about hardcore and straight edge and buying merch. And you'll, you'll absolutely know what I'm talking about. Um, obviously if you just Google his name, you'll be able to find those videos, but I was captivated by how specific (laughs) his videos were, but seemed to receive a lot of traction. Like people who maybe have no context whatsoever for the ridiculous call outs of, you know, very specific either (laughs) bands or lifestyle choices or whatever. He's able to make it funny enough to where I could show it to my, you know, 10 or 11 year old kid and he's going to laugh at it. So I saw him at a show, had to corner him and I was like, Stanley, you're Stanley, right? And, uh, yeah, I just told him, I was like, yo, you need to come on my podcast. And he was like, I would love that. So it works out perfectly. And that is who is on the show next week because clearly people who are funny, the only way that they come through the world is through the punk and hardcore scene. Obviously I'm kidding, but Anyways, that's what we got next week. And until then, please be safe, everybody. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Trust me in saying that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all of the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.